0: Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's interview with Aaron Miri, CIO at Dell Medical School and UT Health Austin. In this segment, Miri talks about how the organization was able to continue vaccination efforts despite freezing temperatures, why it's imperative for CIOs to leverage the goodwill IT teams have built up over the past year, and what it takes to build the type of trust that will make teams want to follow you into the fire. And even what you said about this ability to administer these vaccines before they went bad, I mean, that really takes some quick thinking and people who are really willing to uh, kind of shift and say, okay, let's do this. That's an amazing story, too.
1: That's exactly right. And then decide, okay, I'm going to trek out in the five degree below zero temperature, you know, with two inches of ice on the ground and, you know, eight inches of snow on top of it. And I'm going to somehow trek across, we call it the 40 acres, but I really think it's like 140 acres. This place is ginormous. And truck across <laughs> campus to get to the dorms to go administer these things in the actual dorm rooms for these kids that are in there, because you know that the vaccines are going to go bad. The vaccines have to be stored because we're administering a lot of Pfizer here and these ultra cold freezers. So if you lose power to an area that has those freezers, not like I can go put it in a fridge in somebody else's dorm. You know, it, it takes special equipment. And, you know, the reason why UT Austin is a hub, a vaccine hub, one of two for Central Texas and Travis County is because we have these capabilities and these facilities and the people here. And and our clinicians, you know, have all, most of them have come from other places across the country. and, And, you know, the Boston's of the world, the San Francisco's of the world that have phenomenal healthcare institutions. And so we've created this synergy of really driving forward and helping the rest of the campus to make these quick healthcare decisions. And of course, UT Austin has always been phenomenal for research and academics and everything else. So if you add now the two worlds together, you have a bolus of people that truly are the brightest and bright, that truly are here with one single purpose in mind, which is to make this place better. And then you're able to do things like that and say, oh, gee, what do we do? Okay, go administer these students, go. Like, no questions, like make it happen, right? (laughs) And and no problem, I'm going to check out in in the elements and make it happen. Man, that's just awesome. You can't comprehend that level of sophistication until you see it. And seeing it and reading about it and hearing about it, you're like, okay, now I understand. But that's what this place is, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And what about as far as the vaccine efforts? Even if it had to be slowed down or a bit, but where are you right now with uh, no. <laughs> getting this thing out?
1: That's exactly right. And so, like, the airport was shut down for a couple of days. Um, it was, all the planes are being diverted. So the state obviously froze our vaccine allocation. We still got the allocation. We just got a ton this week. We started getting it middle of last week, catch up shipments, right? And then suddenly two things happened. One year, the federal government opened up the floodgates. So we started noticing we're getting more and more as the weeks went on since the election. And then now the state is like, okay, hey, we held all these because we couldn't get the trucks out to you safely. So now here, take the boxes, take the additional allocation plus your normal allocation and go. And so we've got a good amount of allocation of vaccines, but it's still not enough. I have wait lists of tens of thousands of people that have signed up. So the more vaccine yeah. we get, the more we can administer. I'm sure there's a tipping point where you got to have enough nurses and doctors giving the jabs for the number of b- vaccines. Yeah. We're not there yet, right? We can easily see several thousand more people a day if we had the allotments. Credit to the state, though, they're trying. I mean, you can see that the the wheels are cranking and the federal officials and the state officials are definitely talking in, on, in sync and making it happen. I will say there's other challenges of vaccine administration outside of just the vaccine, like data and interoperability and sending data to the state yeah. immunization registry. But those have been long reported on, and it's just public health needing to get be, be funded more appropriately. But to the degree of it, I don't want to take away from the men and women on the front lines that are just doing it and just making it happen. And so even though I know that sometimes we read about in the press the bad stuff that happens, like being quite candid, those are far and few between. With the reality is you have an army of healthcare professionals literally doing everything they can to get through this pandemic, because trust me, all of us are tired and we want this to be done. Yeah. And we want oh, to go yeah. back to oh being normal, God. at least somewhat. Yeah,
0: exactly. Whatever that looks like.
1: Whatever that looks like, we want to go back. It is something, but we're getting there. Yeah. We're making progress. And, you know, a year ago, Kate, you know, you and I spoke. I think it was like April last year and it was a very dark moment for Austin because our projections, our potential casualty rates were so horrifically high and tensions were high and we were watching on the news of the Mercy ship being docked in New York City and just horrific scenes of, you know, morgues and whatever else, you know, we've come so far as a country. I think we all collectively as leaders should just take a look in the mirror and see how far we've come. We also realize how much less hair we have and how much more gray we are. But beyond that... (laughs) how far we have come and from an IT side how far the teams have I'm going to use the word matured maybe that's an inappropriate word but matured because it it has galvanized and rallied everybody around common causes of humanity and making sure that we understand the importance of healthcare IT to the delivery of overall care and CIOs have to recognize that and recognize their teams and have their organizations understand the importance that IT has to have a voice at the table. And if you're not there, if your organization's not like that, there's a lot of other questions you should be asking. But to the degree of it, I do believe most healthcare delivery organizations, provider, payer, whatever, now realize and really truly see the instantiation of the value of healthcare IT done right. And of course the value done wrong, right? The true cost of ownership. So it is such an opportunity, I think, I'm very bullish going into say the next decade, right? Of of what CIOs and chief digital officers and others have the ability now and the voice and the, the bank of goodwill built up with the healthcare delivery professionals, the clinicians, surgeons, say, let's try these technology pieces that maybe two years ago they would have been reluctant because, they're like, who's ever going to use telemedicine? Who would ever want to connect me over Zoom to do a psychology? <laughs> yeah, right. Like now it's sort of part of the lexicon right? So we have such an opportunity as CIOs to drive the next decade of innovation, but it's going to take us truly getting over ourselves of the way it's been before and making sure that we all embrace the way it should be done for the benefit of our patients and our and our clinicians. We have to.
0: Yeah, really good points. And it is pretty amazing when you think about April. I mean, it was a dark time and Nobody knew what to expect. You know, We just knew that we'd been hit over the head and you're not feeling that optimistic at that point, but things have just come so far and uh, we just need to make sure that they keep going in the right direction.
1: We do. You know, I'm also, I'm pretty active in social media and um, I try hard to remind folks and just be very candid on, on social media that hey, this is hard, right? This is very, very difficult. This is not easy. There's no playbook on how to do this. No one taught you in graduate school you know, no MBA class said one day, Aaron, you're going to be part of a pandemic response. This is what you have to do. No, you don't get those lessons learned. And that's I think also what gravitates a lot of us to healthcare is that it's not like you' you're a factory line manager. you are you are managing almost a living organism and you're managing humanity and you're managing emotions and you're managing patient care, and you're managing all these things that technology sort of interweaves between. And you have to have a true fundamental grasp on what that takes to do that. And more importantly, you have to have a grasp on your humanity and your ability to engage, motivate and and drive your staff forward. In one of our discussions, I mentioned to you that your teams are always looking up at you and are always watching you for their tone and how to read things, what to prioritize. You as a leader have to be in touch with every level of your organization, no matter how big or how small. And if you don't, you're going to disconnect with them. They're not gonna follow you into the fire you want them to run to the fire, not away. And they're not going to, they don't trust you. And so it, it is a lot for CIOs to have to translate a true clinical item into something technology or whatever and make it resonate with folks so that they do give up their Christmas Eve or their Thanksgiving Eve or their New Year's Eve or their weekends, or they're here on Super Bowl Sunday, like we all were. And I was with them in the trenches setting right. up a giant vaccine clinic. I mean, that's yeah. what it takes. And um, yeah. whether it's an ice storm, whether it's vaccines, whether you're dealing with Ebola, whether you're dealing with all these crazy things that happen in healthcare. It is up to us. And you as a CIO have to be in the pilot seat. If you're not, the ship's gonna crash. That's just the reality of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. Huge kudos to, to you, your team, the entire organization for you know, weathering <laughs> weathering another storm. It's got to give a lot of confidence to the community that health organizations can can do that can weather these storms.
1: I I think it does and it also speaks volumes to institutions like UTS and you know at the Cleveland clinics or the Kaiser Permanentes or you know established organizations that truly anchor their state and their community and represent with pride, you know, they wear their colors with pride and put the football, you know, nomenclatures aside, which, you know, obviously we're we're big passionate fans of college football here at the long <laughs> but So put that aside for of a course. second. The pride of we always say, you know, we are the state of Texas. We're here for the city, we're here for the state, we're here to teach, we're here to make make difference happen. Every one of the fundamental organizations across the country have that ethos in them. And even when I was in Boston, seeing the pride from Harvard or, or MGH or, or these institutions in Boston that are just legendary, it's pride, right? And so to your point, yeah, it gives a lot of confidence, but it also is an anchor point of, of course, that's what we do, this is who we are. That's why we're here, that's why we bleed orange and why I wear my Longhorns pen. You know, It's a sense of identity and it's a sense of, of humanity. And so as technologists, sometimes it's hard to see that and get your head out of the day-to-day of, oh, this server or this computer or this network or this application or this cloud thing. Okay, great. Those are all important. But at the end of the day, you are establishing experience. You're establishing a tone. You're establishing a technology ethos. And you have to have the pride of your technology stack as you do in the organization, as you do in the staff and you as a cio have to link all of those layers of the cake together if you're able to do that that's where you earn your seat at the table and you have a voice to drive for you.
0: yeah absolutely all right great stuff as always And i appreciate you you know jumping on so quick yeah, you know usually that's i like to, to plan these things but this was great to be able to get this viewpoint before things are uh, you know too far in the past <laughs>
1: yeah no it's it's good it's good to learn from because unfortunately there will be disasters yeah. again across the country and another There'll be other CIOs that have to endure tornadoes, hurricanes, fires. Some of the stories I heard coming out of Oregon last fall from some of the CIOs up there in the Pacific Northwest, of the out-of-control fires are just amazing. Or the folks in in Florida, you know, I have friends of mine on the Space Coast and in Miami and others and what they go through during hurricane evacuation. I mean, it is just a common way of life. And so, um, yeah, there are things that other CIOs or leaders... Can learn from these inter- yeah. I think that's critical because they become a playbook. Ultimately, of or how did somebody weather this before? How did you deal with an ice yeah. storm in, in Austin? It'll happen again, right? It's inevitable. Yeah. So what did what did UT Austin do? That those are important things.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks so much, and um, I'm sure we'll be in touch again soon.
1: <laughs> Always. If anybody help with anything, let me know. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com podcast.